O'Reilly Auto Parts will help you find just the right parts, products, and accessories for your car so you can get the job done right the first time. We'll also test your battery and check engine light, change your wiper blades, and refer you to a repair shop if needed. Trust our professional parts people. We're here to help you keep your car on the road. Stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts today or visit O'ReillyAuto.com. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. Good evening, Detroit Lakes. This is the Vikings Territory Breakdown. I am your host, Joe Johnson, owner of Oofta Sports. That's vikingsterritory.com, purpleptsd.com, the brand new miniice.com. More uh, new sites than you can shake a stick at, I think is the phrase, uh, coming out in the next couple weeks, uh, at least before April 1st. We were off last week because I... I'm one of the rare human beings. I'm going to be remembered for one thing, and that's getting COVID twice despite never leaving my house. Uh, but I am back. I am feeling 90% better. And uh, we got a lot of Super Bowl stuff to talk about, so I'm very excited to do that with Mr. Joe Oberly. How you doing, man? Good. Um, I've been busy lately, though, working on a couple websites. Lefsa dot com and ludafisk.com <laughs> i knew you i see I, tim and i have a theory that if you go to like godaddy and you search a domain name and then go back like a week later the cost goes up exponentially because they know you're interested in it and i had a feeling that somebody was driving a price of <laughs> ludafisk.com things we do in minnesota uh we, speaking of mr tim mcniff he joins us yet again to Delve into some Super Bowl talk, some uh, Vikings news updates, I suppose, is the best way to put it. Um, a new offensive coordinator, new kicker. I feel the, we're living in Groundhog's Day, but maybe that's just the COVID brain fog making me pessimistic. How are you, Mr. McNiff? I'm good. I also was searching leftsa.com, but ended up with leftout.com. <laughs> so there's that. <laughs> So yeah, you can uh, you can uh, start working on that website. That uh, I don't know who that would attract, but you know, um, leftout.com. Hmm. Interesting. <laughs> sounds like my experience. You might you might be surprised, school. Joe. <laughs> I would. I, I would. There actually somebody does own Ludafisk.com, and it's for the last wow. word on Ludafisk, a cookbook by Gary Legwold. A taste of both Ugh. culture and culinary traditions that invites you to partake in this peculiar, exuberant Scandinavian feast. I'm going to call it a feast, but that's, I don't know. Isn't that there goes yeah. my retirement. There goes my retirement <laughs> plan. All it's have, new, have you guys tried Ludafisk? I tasted it once, I believe. Yes. I've seen Long it only once. I was not raised uh, in a church-going household. <laughs> Uh, and so I went to a Lutheran sort of thing with my best friend in high school and I saw it and then I heard the description of it and I was, I'm not a fish person still, but especially back then, but I couldn't get, I could not get my head around the whole, you're basically soaking it in toxic chemicals. Lie. Yeah. That's probably dissolved I had to try it. in Goodfellas. I had to try it once. I didn't want to be left out. Ooh. <laughs> Ooh. I, man. I had the, uh. You know, the television thing where they, they sprung it on me, you know, on <laughs> on air. So you don't want to offend anybody, right? 
So right. I, I just I just went and grabbed it, threw it right down. I'm like, oh, that was wonderful. <laughs> just great. Just great. Do you like it? Yes, absolutely. You got to the break and you go, oh, my God. You know, I would, don't ever do that to me again. Now I've done my one time. It was just um, unique, I guess, okay. is the best way to, to, to put it. Um, it doesn't taste like I wouldn't know what poison tastes like. But I, I, and again, I don't really you want to offend people, but I think you you have to have been raised with it. I agree. Yeah. Okay. It's one of those things. And it's still, yeah, right. It's, you're not going to all of a sudden walk into it and somebody's going to say, try this. And you're going to go, wow, I'll do that again. Yeah, I grew um, up on blood sausage. Uh, oh. where we're one generation removed from the farm and we're, we're, you know, you're out there butchering pigs. And like my dad said, you, they used everything but the squeal. So, and I love blood sausage and I can't get my family to eat it. You know, my wife's is no way, but, uh, it's, it's, uh, it's wonderful stuff. There you go. I was raised on it. Yeah, I was, uh, I was uh, introduced to venison blood sausage probably when I was 21 Wow. and, and I got as far as the potato sausage, but I couldn't do the blood sausage. Yeah. For me, I draw the line at head cheese. I can't do head I, cheese. I, see, some... I, I was I got confused when you said blood sausage, and I thought about head cheese, which is a very oh, kind man. way to describe what what that is. I always like watching those shows, like that Scandinavian rotten shark thing they do in Iceland, where they bury a shark and let it rot to the point of fermenting, and then they <laughs> dig it up months later and eat it. It just gives you an, the sense of we all came from some rough beginnings, I think, uh, genealogically. Um, people putting a happy spin on eating essentially rotting food. Uh, the good old days, as they say. Yikes. <laughs> my, my, my grandpa grew up in North Dakota. He was born in the same year the Titanic, like 1912. And he was a big uh, farmhand, uh, kind of first-generation Swedish-Norwegian mixture. And he would tell me stories about just waking up at 5 in the morning and his entire his banks would be frozen because the, the snow would just blow right through, like, the, the wood of their home on this windy plain in North Dakota. And it's like, man, what do I have to complain about? Except for the Vikings, I guess, which is a, a, a really <laughs> brilliant segue by me. Um, you know, I think we, we'd be remiss not to talk about the Super Bowl, especially as we were off last week and we didn't really get a chance to preview it. But speaking of Groundhog's Day, this is – I don't know how to interpret Tom Brady's continued success. You know, I want to bring up the Big Ten thing just because I know that it bothers Joe. Um, but I also, you know, I feel like we're all not spoiled by it. You know, but I, I'm 36 years old. He won his first Super Bowl my sophomore year of college. He's been a mainstay in every conference championship game essentially since then. You know, a lot of people are talking about his legacy now that he's away from Belichick, Gronk as well, and how they won without Belichick and what that means. And obviously, he's more Super Bowls than any other team just by himself. Um, but how do you guys interpret Brady's legacy at this point, Mr. Oberly? I'll go to you. Um, you know, you got to hand it to him. You know, obviously, he's, uh, the numbers don't lie. I mean, his his legacy is a little stained with the allegations of cheating and such and uh, deflating footballs and that kind of thing. But I don't think it really takes that much away from him because it's still a, a team game out there that, and you still got to win the games in the end, which he has done. Um, it, you know, you'd put on the, the, the uh, agenda about, you know, will he retire? Should he retire? I think no way, just because of what you just said, he's got a chance to, you know, make even a bigger 
uh, stamp on his legacy away from Belichick. And uh, he's got a good team, a team that's kind of on the rise. I mean, a very good defense with a, with a, 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 a decent offense, plenty of weapons on receivers and, and uh, you know, uh, a really good coach. So I don't think he's going anywhere. And, I, you know, I, I don't know that they repeat again next year, but I think uh, they're a very good team that uh, is going to be in the conversation in the NFC. And, and Brady's going to be a big reason why. What do you well, think? I, yeah, I think if you're waiting for me, I, I think if they're waiting, you know, um, now you've got guys who are like lining up. They they want to go to Tampa. Adrian Peterson among them. You know, I, yep. I, I want to go to Tampa. I'll take less. <laughs> and 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 uh, you know, one of their primary receivers saying, "I'll take less money to keep this team together." Um, so I, I really think that um, it was staying with Tom Brady just for the moment. I I did not think that Tampa was going to win that game. I just didn't. And, and I knew. Kansas City had issues with their offensive line. I just believe that Patrick Mahomes is going to be able to overcome them. Yeah. So, um, <clears throat> again, staying with um, Tom Brady. So, yeah, no reason for him to retire. He He's happier living where he's living year-round. And he plays there now. And so his wife's happy. He's happy. Kids are at an age where they can watch him do this. This is where he wants to be. And... Um, you know, so I, I don't think there's any reason. It's like he said a couple years ago to ESPN, why would I retire now? I've got the answers to the test. I mean, if somebody shows him a blitz, he knows what's coming. You know, he, he knows everything. And now he played this last year with more offensive talent than they ever gave him in New England, maybe yeah. with the exception of the 15 and one year in Randy Moss. But he, he, he lost his tight end, O.J. Howard, you know, early on. And that yeah. was his go-to guy earlier in that season. So even if Gronk doesn't come back, I don't think you'll see any crocodile te- tears from um, Tom Brady. Uh, Leonard Fournette, a bust since he got in the in the in the league, figured it out, got his act together. And there, I think, shows you the true greatness in Tom Brady is that once he says he's coming to your team, every guy on that team picks it up. I mean, they're all like, "Oh my God, right. Tom Brady, we're going to win." And I'm not going to be the one that lets him down. They're all trying to work to his level. Um, so God bless, you know, uh, the head coach who, who had never had a, you know, a, a Super Bowl and he's 68 years old. I'm happy for him. But it, it, the legacy is crazy. I thought we would be talking about, OK, so Brady's seven and three and yeah. and um, and the kid has two. So he, but now even if Patrick Mahomes wins Five more Super Bowls, which sounds absurd. It would be outstanding. He still wouldn't catch Tom Brady. That yeah. is crazy. Yeah. It is, it's crazy. And I think another point to add to what you guys are saying about him not retiring is there was, uh, I don't know how much of this was media driven, but especially at the beginning of the season, there was a lot of, uh, let's just call it growing pains between Brady and Arians and some of the guys in, in the locker room. And I think when you have this level of success, you know, a lot of people thought, what 17 18 years in new england that it was kind of the belichick way of convincing guys to come in take less money kind of uh, play this sort of joyless style of football um and and maybe brady deserves more credit for that but i think this winning the super bowl a is going to make the the beginning of next season at least from inside the locker room function a lot more smoothly than I think it did at points during the season. I mean, they were seven and five yeah. at that point. The Vikings outplayed them. They just didn't score touchdowns and, and ended up losing that game. Uh, gave up a t- a did our kicker miss plays. a field goal of that game? Didn't miss like three. More than likely. <laughs> yeah. Um, 
Yeah, like three or four. <laughs> I, I, I will say, and we will get into this, I, I don't know if it's because I've been sick and it took me mentally out of the grind of covering the Vikings every single day, but if I, I'm so sick of talking about the exact same issues every offseason since 2016 or before it. Like, how many more articles can we write about the offensive line, about the kicker, about maybe Zimmer will figure it out in his 50th try? Like, it's, it's driving me a little crazy. So if my tone and my articles are a little sardonic, I'm able to bear with me because I've been taking enough Dayquil for the uh, the the Western Front. Um, yeah, I think Brady. You know, obviously, every, when you win a Super Bowl, every team wants to beat you the next season. That won't be any easier. We have uh, all this weird quarterback carousel stuff going on. I mean, uh, what do you guys think about Stafford to the Rams? Do you think that catapults them to the top of the NFC, or at least, obviously, they have to be in the conversation, right? Uh, yeah, I think they have to be in the conversation. I, I went, you know, a couple weeks ago, we were on, I talked about that when this talk was just starting to break, that I, I really felt that I valued Matthew Stafford more than some of the other names that were out there. And I could understand if people didn't because of the beatings that he's taken, but I, I really believe he is a, a really good quarterback and a good guy. And I think we're seeing that reflected now and that you are seeing receivers saying that they want to come and play with him Um in L.A. And L.A.'s got the defense and they're close. Um, so I, I think it is interesting. I just don't know how these teams function with the cap. I, I, if right. the Vikings are having issues, how are the Rams going to navigate this and pay Aaron Donald and pay uh, Patrick? Uh, um, there's a corner. Uh, no. uh, Jalen Ramsey. Yeah, you got, Jalen Ramsey, that's where I'm going. Thank you. Um, Patrick's retained in my mind. I knew that wasn't right, so thank you. Um, Jalen Ramsey, how are you going to pay those guys and then have anybody else on your team? So I don't know how they navigate that, but no, I think that the Rams are definitely, they've changed the landscape, and, and it's, 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 a, it's a grab. And it just, when you see what Detroit got for him, and you look at the numbers comparing, as people have written exhaustively in Viking territory, um, comparing Kirk Cousins' numbers with, with Matthew Stafford's numbers, what could the Vikings get? You know, so I went from, you know, we're not we're not trading Cousins and I'm not I don't love him, but I'm not, you know, pushing for this. All of a sudden I'm like, geez, if you could get another first this year and maybe a second, you know, if you get a first and a second for him, I'd do it. You'd have two firsts and a second. You could sign one of these quarterbacks that's out there to get by the year. You could get in the first round with two picks. You could get an offensive lineman and a defensive lineman if that's where you're you know, where you wanted to go and prove yourself on both sides of the ball, theoretically, and then and then go with all those multiple picks that he has later on. I, I don't know that you'd have to listen to it, but I do, I'm not sure the Vikings are really getting those offers as much as we might want to believe they are. I think it's a, it's a uh, fair comparison, though, right? I mean, if at Stafford, maybe it's just it's the Lions, but, you know, Cousins has this reputation across the NFL and locally by a lot of people. Flashy numbers, no substance, never wins close games, never really does anything. Um, Stafford, at least to my estimation, has had better numbers with less success, but I think a lot of people just write that up as the Lions being the Lions and not necessarily Stafford's fault, but it, 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 they get those picks. It is astounding. I mean, the only really way I think it's even feasible that they move Cousins is if this COVID cap situation is just so untenable that they're like, we can't give this guy $45 million next year. Um, which is well, that, a valid argument. I mean, it is, but I think Spielman and Zimmer both know if they, you know, how hard it is to find quarterback help. They've been on, they've been through a carousel of 
guys, uh, especially since the triangle of authority with, with Spielman. Uh, and so I think they'd be really reticent to do it. But I, I can see the, the argument if they're going to have to blow this, this team up anyway because the, the, the cap is just not going to work. What do you think, Mr. Oberly? Well, going back to the Rams, I think they did, uh, you know, as far as their cap is concerned, uh, Tim, they, they made a nice move getting out from under uh, Jared Goff's contract, so that'll help them. Mm-hmm. Um, I, like you said, they got a great defense. Uh, this will improve, but pressure's on Stafford. He's never won a playoff game, so we'll see how he, di- how he does. Um, I wouldn't put him ahead of the Bucks as far as uh, the, the talk of the town in the NFC next year just because of uh, – of uh, uh, the fact that Brady knows how to get uh, past a Super Bowl letdown better than anybody, so he'll get his team reared up again. So that, that that's the team that I think you're you're going to be all be looking at. Um, I you know I don't believe for a minute that Cousins is going to go anywhere. I, I I you know the Vikings could do well to get some higher draft choices because they don't have a second and they have the first and. Um, so they could really be helped by it, but they'd have to use that one of those on a quarterback, like you said. Um, you know, I, I don't think they're going to mess with the. Uh, I don't think they're going to mess with the offense because that's why they kept uh, Clint Kubiak as that the offense. Correct. To be my, my segue, that was a big uh, sign yeah. that they want some continuity. Continuity there that uh, they've been striving to get this guy for how long? And, you know, now they have a chance for it. The offense was really good this past season, and it's basically intact. you got to get us, get them a new uh, an offensive lineman in there and, and uh, make sure those are the tight ends you want to go forward with. But other than that, you don't have to mess with that. So uh, I, I, I don't think they would, they would trade him for that reason alone. Now, I, I do think they'll try to get a quarterback, you know, a young guy that maybe they can develop for the next couple of years and then say goodbye. But I think – I think they're married to Cousins here for the next couple of years, in my opinion. I'm sure he'll take some sort of extension. I can't imagine them giving him $45 million in 2022. It just, that number is insane. You can, I've said this on the show multiple times, but you combine it with Dalvin Cook's numbers and then what whatever Daniil Hunter is going to get, and you're basically giving 40% of your cap to three guys, which is just nonsense. Um, and that's with or without the COVID cap situation. Uh, who knows? I don't know. I'm, I'm really, I, I, and I don't want to get repetitive for people listening to this, but I just don't understand why the league won't just eat that 15% and say, you know what? These guys came out and they put a product on the field. We had a, almost a thousand infections over the season, but they went out there. They further risked their health, the health of their families to do this product so we can make some money versus no money. And basically we're going to create this completely avoidable catastrophe in which all these teams have been very, very carefully doing multi-year team building plans are going to have to throw a bunch of stuff out the window. A bunch of guys are going to have to retire early. A bunch of guys are going to get cut and make less money as a reward for what? You know, it's not, not as if they lost money on the season. It just it just bothers me, and I don't understand how teams, like you guys said, how, how they can negotiate in good faith with players for extensions or, you know, it's just a really weird time for these quarterbacks to be, you know, moving around from team to team because it feels like it's the worst possible time financially for them to do it because they can't really lock them down in ways that they otherwise would because they don't know what's going to happen. Um, and But I think that is the catalyst. You know, a lot of people talk about Deshaun Watson and the player empowerment movement. Diggs was a big part of that. You know, and, and while I don't really agree with the way that Diggs did things, I also understand that the league is, you know, the NFL has had quote-unquote contracts that have been 
and worthless from a player's perspective. You can get caught. They don't owe you much in guaranteed money. You know, these these giant contracts that never amount to 30% of their value. Uh, and so I can see why players would want to have more control over their futures because teams don't really – they treat them as commodities, so why not reverse the trend? Um, but I just think it's – the NFL is going kind of – full speed into uh, a disaster that they could avoid both financially teams, but in terms of PR and, and, you know, these guys that were forced to play, you know, most of these guys couldn't opt out for COVID because they, the roster spots weren't guaranteed. So uh, I just am not a fan of how they're conducting themselves. But the NFL, you know, I have to forget that I saw the movie concussion almost every day when I write an article about the NFL. So I, it's not as if I wasn't aware of some of these things in the first place. End of rant. Um, but yeah, I think it's interesting. I mean, there's I, I I put this in the agenda. I do want you guys to take on it. It might give uh, some projection as to my my uh, disposition right now. But there was a report out that Deshaun Watson would not um, void his no trade clause to come to Minnesota. That was I think from from Doogie uh, said that on his podcast. Uh, from well, he looked at the thermometer, Joe. <laughs> There's that, I'm sure. That's more of a Timberwolves-related issue, I've always noticed, than a Vikings one. It seems like a lot of preachers don't want to come here for, for, for basketball reasons. But, um, you know, I think that people wrote that off as, well, they're a run-first team, therefore Watson doesn't think his value would be uh, as high in Minnesota. But I also look at it like, if you have Justin Jefferson, Adam Thielen, all the guys you just talked about, Joe, like, outside of the offensive line, obviously, uh, and there's a guy that's 25 years old that is considered the 1B to Mahomes' 1A and can be plugged in to the best support, skill position roster, I would argue, in the NFL, position by position. And he says, I don't want to go there. There's That is a problem to me. It's so The idea of us getting Watson is out the window because he doesn't want to come in the first place. I'm sure there's a myriad of reasons as to why that is. But I do also think that if you have that attractive of a supporting cast and a guy like that says, nope, despite the fact when he wants to leave, that puts us below Houston in his estimation in my, to me. It's just, it seems like there's something there that I think you guys all know what I'm going to blame it on, but uh, am I making something out of something or something out of... Well, I want to know nothing? what you're going to blame it on. Z- uh, Zimmer. <laughs> Zimmer is... Uh, his reputation is garbage. He's got interpersonal... Uh, communication issues he does not learn from his mistakes he triples down on them i think watson even a guy like russell wilson the reason he wants out of of seattle is because he gets hit too much and you have a guy uh coming here that they we the offensive line regressed this year everyone talked about how great esther cleveland was he was the 37th out of 41 tackles in terms of pressures allowed it just he was better than drew samia so we were like great uh, improvement therefore they're better but we're the 29th ranked unit in, in the league. Nobody wants to play for a team that refuses to, to invest in the most important position group in the entire field, the offensive line, and we're moving backwards, not forwards. And so I just feel like with all the questions that are on the defense with any myriad of the draft picks that we would have, Zimmer is going to do defensive line, another corner, linebacker, we're probably going to lose a lot of guys because of the cap situation. The defense will get the bulk of the picks, then we'll get a, a guard in the seventh round. We have like 20 seventh round picks that never make the team. Um, I, I just don't see, see any quarterback wanting to come here outside of Cousins maybe thinking that they were going to invest the line when they signed him. Uh, seeing how Cousins, they gave Cousins a ton of money, but they haven't protected him, so why would you want to come to a team that does that? Um, 
that's just my take on it. I also think that's why they, they a part of the reason they kept Clint Kubiak is because, you know, this the enemy didn't want to come here. Why would he? To last a year well, and fired, and have no control over what you're actually doing. You know, we go through an office coordinator every season. Um, and and it hasn't been great. No young up-and-coming outside-of-the-box thinker like D. <clears throat> wants to come here and have the drama that, that he had during practice. And Zimmer being like, don't run those plays because the defense won't understand them. Um, it just He's very stubborn and stuck in his ways, which can be an asset when you're succeeding. But I think that when you're looking at what this team has done and hasn't and why they haven't accomplished what they should have uh, from a roster perspective, it's the same issues over and over again. And I just don't see... Anybody really of uh, note wanting to, to latch themselves to that until there's some sort of change or maybe more autonomy on offense that they can throw the ball on the field uh, in the first half, maybe? I don't know. I, I take your silence as you guys are so in awe of my, my cohesive, <laughs> constitutionally Just waiting for you to come arguments. up for air, Joe. <laughs> I, I like that uh, opening uh, guy in the impeachment trial. I'm just throwing some stuff out there to see what sticks. Um, no, I yeah. Joe Overly, again, Joe Overly over where it. are you on this whole thing? I have no Deshaun idea. Watson. I don't know. <laughs> My it's a myriad. Deshaun Watson's not coming here for a number of reasons, and you know maybe chief among them is. Uh, I mean, you mentioned a few, but you know maybe he doesn't see this team as. Uh, I mean, the defense is is going backwards. They have cap problems. Um, they have uh, they have an offense, like you said, that's uh, run oriented, and uh, they they've built it that way. Um, so, I guess if I could pick or choose, you know, I wouldn't come here either. And especially, you know, when you, you know, I, I just heard Justin Jefferson on the radio this afternoon uh, bemoaning the fact that uh, how cold it is up here. He's down in Miami right now, but uh, so I mean that's a reason too. I used to work for the Timberwolves, and boy, we could never. I'll darn free agent for the entire time I was there. Just, and that was one of the reasons why nobody wanted to come here. So, um, you know, I, I, I just, another reason why I don't think, you know, the Vikings would trade for him anyway for something like that. I, I just think they're going to stick with what they got and try to rebuild the defense. But uh, I, I've already said that. So, Tim, any, any, any thoughts on this one? Yeah, winning solves a lot of things. I mean, people will come here. It's like guys going, you know, to Green Bay to play outside. If if they know they're going to win and the money's there, they'll go. You yeah, know what I mean? Reggie White point. going there just, you know, turned around that whole franchise and they 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 traded for Brett Favre and Reggie White comes <clears> in as a free agent and the whole thing just turns on a dime and has been sort of running at a high level for 30 years. And um, so the Vikings, I think Joe made uh, – Johnson made some good points, and one is, right, Clint Kubiak staying because we are staying with the offense as we had it, and and the head coach does not see it as an issue. I hope what they do see is that um, they have to do something about the offensive line, and I think the Super Bowl showed that. I mean, the, the you know, when you've got a guy who didn't cut it with the Vikings starting as your left tackle because of injuries – you know, that's if, if Patrick Mahomes can't overcome that, you know, then um, that that's a problem. And um, I just before we get too far away from the Super Bowl, too, I just wanted to just point out again, too, is what an outstanding job Todd Bowles did. And those three linebackers, mm-hmm. I mean, I give credit to the guys up front. But man, 
that that crew of Devon, uh, Devin White, Levante David, and Shaq Barrett were just uh, all outstanding and all over the field, rushing the passer, covering backs out of the backfield, and 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 playing the run. So I just thought that you know, uh, very good. Um, you know, we'll all give the platitudes to Brady and he and Grant got to do the commercial for going to uh, Disney World, but the De- De- Devin White might have been the the person who. If you wanted to give it to one person and it wasn't Todd Bowles, that may have been your MVP of that game on Sunday. I would agree with that. Uh, uh, you know, I, I believe I agree with what you're saying that that Super Bowl was one and lost in the trenches. There's one defense played, how the other one didn't. Uh, how many penalties they the Kansas City Chiefs defense suffered because they were always a step behind and you know, or and grabbing grabbing a jersey. Um, and I was also surprised by Gronk. I mean, he looked like he was 10 years younger the way he was moving out there. Yeah. And maybe a, a year off helps your body heal and you can, you know, and he, and he wasn't being counted on all year long and allowed him to uh, all of a sudden, I think, surprise some people. But he looked, you know, more like, a, uh, yeah, he absolutely did. It was amazing to see. So in, in that regard, you might see him again next year. But, uh, yeah, that, uh, Tim is exactly right. If, if the Vikings do not finally address both of their lines and understand that when it comes down to crunch time in the playoff, you better have both units uh, going going strong and going well, uh, or you're going to lose. I mean, we saw what happened with a decimated defensive line. It affected the rest of the Vikings' defense the entire season. Yeah. So, uh They've, they've yeah. got to get them both figured out, and and that's where I think you can see them uh, try to figure out in the in the off season here. So I wrote an article during halftime of the Super Bowl, essentially pointing out the PFF rankings of all the offensive lines that made the playoffs, uh, both on both sides, but particularly in the NFC. One of the glaring things was five of the seven teams that made the playoffs, the ones that advanced, especially, were top eight or higher ranked offensive lines. Uh, Cleveland, in the, obviously in the AFC, had the number one line uh, in 2020, and it was, you know, I, initially I was saying, well, you can't give Stefanski credit for something that existed before he got there, but that was one of the first things he did in Cleveland was, short, you know, make moves to shore up their line. Um, I think that it's kind of a testament to what he learned here. Uh, you know, he got a lot of guff. The, the one year that he was our OC because he didn't roll Cousins out on every successful passing play. We'd, we'd drag him through the mud and say, why wasn't he doing legs or, or you know, something like that. Um, so it's, yeah, it really isn't, you know, I go back to what uh, Coach Tice says on the show a lot, building teams up the middle and in, in this league, you know, it, you, it comes down to that. You know, Matt Burke said it on the show with Joe and I, uh, you know, we've had other guys say the same thing. If you can't, you know, pick up a fourth and in inches, going back to the Seattle game, you know, I'd rather be able to pick that up than do some of this zone blocking stuff. But I don't think they're mutually exclusive. I think you know, some of these teams run zone blocking schemes, just they, they're not bad like the Vikings are. Um, and so hopefully they'll, they'll see it. But seeing Remmers, you know, do well in Kansas City was kind of annoying just because we basically finally got some good uh, good right tackle and we uh, he, he didn't do, to guard. He didn't do well this weekend, though. Oh, cool. Well, yeah, but they, they, fl- they had to flip him. But you know what I'm saying. Um, yeah. But I wonder how much the Gronk thing was – the way I interpreted it, I could be wrong, is, you know, there was a lot of drops and deflected passes and interceptions by some of the receivers for Tampa, and it felt like maybe Brady was going to the guy he knew he could trust, or 
maybe there was something in the defense they felt that they could clearly exploit uh, with linebackers across the middle and everything at the tight end position. But then you had you know Antonio Brown catching the touchdown in the first half as well. Um, whatever the game plan was, I mean, it was masterful. I don't know how healthy Mahomes was. He looked kind of gimpy at points. Um, I'm, he's having surgery on his turf, so he did have that really that if that when he did that diving throw. Um, that was almost a touchdown, but it was batted down. If he would have completed that pass, that would have been one of the most epic throw, uh, throws in, in Super Bowl history. I mean, the guy's super talented, so he'll be all right. It's just And know, they would have lost by seven points left. There you go. You, guys, you brought up yeah. the refs, and I I know this. if there's any uh, Packers fans listening, will probably laugh that I'm saying this, but um, I wanted your guys' takes on that, um, you know, you guys mentioned that Kansas City always seemed to step behind. You know, there was the run, the, the run touchdown by Fournette where he was basically untouched for 40 yards. To me, it was like the refs had nothing to do with that. The defense was gassed. They, they weren't playing well. Um, were there one or maybe two bad calls that helped? I don't know because you can make the argument the other way as well. It's a, I, I just am not a fan of the argument that, uh, well, it's a big spot. So don't call the penalty. If it's a penalty, call it and and then let the chips fall where they may. I just don't see the refs having that big of an impact on really the outcome of that game. But I I could just be, you know, projecting my uh, irritation that the Packers fans did something similar a few weeks ago. Well, I think if you're a Chiefs fan, you you probably feel pretty strongly about the referees. And, And, you know, if you look at how the pass interference wasn't called until the very end of the NFC championship game. And it did go in Tampa Bay's favor. And then all the calls, I mean, the calls were definitely lopsided in favor of, of Tampa versus Kansas city. But I think the, the, the one thing that showed just sort of the, uh, an outrageous situation was when Matthew at the end of the first half got in the verbal altercation mm. with Brady and Brady runs like yep. 20 yards as Matthew's walking off the field to get in his grill and 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 gives him an earful, and they penalize Matthew. And he like Matthew put his, said, like, I'm, I'm walking away," and yeah. he, and he said stuff I've never heard before. And he said, "And I get penalized." And that Mike, well, that was accurate. That's that's true. I yeah, Brady also like leaned in with the crown of his helmet and kind of pushed him with it. Um, that was favoritism. I mean, it, Brady is Brady, obviously. Um, but also, I, outside of that, it just. It didn't feel like otherwise Kansas City deserved to win that game. I felt like they were outplayed, out schemed, out coached, all of that uh, external of those things. Uh, Agreed. And they were limited. Uh, their offensive line was limited, and Patrick Mahomes was limited. And I didn't realize how bad that turf throw was, but he threw off his wrong foot all day. He usually didn't get away with it, but he couldn't on Sunday. He couldn't land anything. Yeah, I'm wondering why it took him so long to, to, to do more, you know, West Coasty like dinking and dunking and not, you know, going for these Tyreek Hill major plays left and right. But <clears throat> man, that Tampa defense is good. I, I don't know. It's it just feels like they're going to be good for a while. You guys, I mean, the it's 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 going to be it's going to be a rough sledding for a lot of teams in the NFC moving forward. Um, uh yeah, I don't know. I mean, we... I mean the road they the road they took to the Super Bowl, you know, they beat Drew Brees, they beat Aaron Rodgers, and they beat Patrick Mahomes. That's pretty impressive. Yeah. What do you guys think about uh, this Russell Wilson talk? Do you um, 
do you do you think maybe that he could be on the market sooner rather than later? And if so, I mean, I can't imagine they would want him in the NFC anywhere. But he would instantly. I mean, imagine him in, in Indianapolis or something. That would be uh, they instantly would become the the favorites in the in the AFC with Kansas City. But as we saw, you know. Uh, they're they're not infallible at this point. Uh, even granted, I, I, like you said, the line and Mahomes wasn't healthy. Um, do you? I mean, how do you guys feel? I, I teed this up and got away from it, but but how do you guys feel about what I said about the the player empowerment aspect of the league? Um, players choosing teams, getting out of the contracts, whether it's on the right way, which I don't know what the right way would be. Maybe more so, so what Deshaun Watson is doing versus what Diggs did, which is kind of creating controversy on social media until you're at an untenable situation as opposed to maybe just going into the front office and saying, trade me. Because um, I'm, I'm of two minds on it. And, and so I, I, part of the reason I love doing the show with, with you guys is it, I, it allows me to get some of these ideas outside of my, out of my head uh, and bounce off maybe more, uh, I'll just say less emotional uh, decision makers uh, when it comes to football. Um, I, I'm starting to really kind of get behind the whole maybe Diggs was right thing, even though I've written 50 articles about how I didn't like what he did. Uh, but I can see some aspects of why he did it. I just think he could have handled it differently. Um, but, you know, they, these guys have to make as much money as possible. They don't know when their career might be over. They want to get as many sponsorships, build their own brand. Granted, there was this uh, viral moment for Booger McFarland on whatever show he's on, pregame show, a couple weeks ago, uh, talking to Randy Moss about how these guys come into the league and they don't learn how to bet, better their team or better their skills. They just look at, how can I grow my social media following and my own personal sponsorship brand? And that's why guys like Jamarcus Russell fail because they don't take the game seriously. They don't look at it as a business and, and performance on the field as much. They more look at that aspect of it. So I don't want to get too far down that road, but I think there needs to be maybe some a better um, CBA uh, for these guys where they have more representation and, and uh, profit sharing and so on and so forth because they are criminally underpaid. Granted, there's 53 of them instead of 11. But Oberly, what do you think, man? <clears throat> Wow. Joe? I think I... That's odd silence. He's... he's uh, again, um, just loves my taste. What, well, I don't know where Joe went, so what do you think, Tim? Um, so, back to Russell Wilson. I mean, when I read all this, I was just... Honestly, I was disgusted. Because I was just like, come on. You were just named, you know, the Walter Payton Man of the Year. You know, do, do you not get enough attention? Because all he had to do when he was asked that question by Dan Patrick was to say, you know what, uh, we got a good thing in Seattle. They've been good to me, you know, because they have. If he's not still the highest paid player in the NFL, he was for five or ten minutes. Um, <laughs> and and so so he, he's got one of those contracts that's up there. And then becomes later, yeah, you know, the, the, the steam coming off that, yeah, he's He's getting hit too much. And maybe they haven't given him the greatest offensive line either. But, you know, it's like every team's trying to make it work. You know, every coach, and he's got a good head coach and a good communicator. And they have given him talent. He's got a great receiver around him. And, you know, and, 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 Three uh, of them. So I think that for him to kind of leave that open, 
was sort of like, to me, it was like, okay, everyone's courting Deshaun Watson. Uh, Stafford just signed the big contract. Patrick, uh, uh, um, Tom Brady's the GOAT. Patrick Mahomes is the future. Aaron Rodgers talks to Aaron Rodgers, the MVP. So, yeah, right. Aaron Rodgers, MVP. So, nobody's talking about me. So, how do I put myself in the conversation? I, I thought that was I really like the most disappointing. I like that take. That, yes. Those are the most disappointing things that I've really ever heard Russell Wilson associate himself with because this is totally self created. And this is the kind of thing where when he does have a bad game and things start to go wrong, I promise you, the first people to bring that up will not be his coaches or his teammates. It will be the fans who will let him hear it as he's walking from the field. And that's when the whole thing starts to go south. And he's, he's savvy enough and intelligent enough to know what he was doing, obviously. You know, it's, it's a completely self-made controversy that he's in no position to leave right now anyway. It feels like maybe a year or two from now something might happen. Um, but... I, I I had a kind of an inkling that that's what it was, and I, I've heard reports out of Seattle for a long time that a lot of like the Legion of Boom guys or um, um, Marshawn Lynch really didn't get along with him, and he was Sherman didn't. Yeah, and, and that he wasn't really. I don't know how to put this as a white guy named Joe Johnson, but he wasn't kind of you know connected to the guys on that level, and he was really coddled by management and coaching and treated as this, you know, entity above all other players, and he just didn't connect with them on an interpersonal level. It's something that we actually heard a lot about um, from Diggs and Kirk Cousins, and Diggs wrote this article this last week on the Players' Tribune, I believe, essentially saying, like, which I thought was a, a really gracious move by him, and I'm not, again, the biggest fan of the way he's handled a lot of this, saying that, you know, Cousins opened up his family to me. He was the first person that, like, came and picked me up, and we hung out together, and I'll, like, forever be in his debt for how he me like meet his family and be a part of things because everyone talked about well Diggs and Josh Allen have this relationship and Cousins just kind of a square and he's awkward I mean nobody there's a really good do- documentary that I played on Purple PTSD a couple weeks ago uh, from NFL Films that highlighted the free agency period um, when when Cousins was making his decision and he when he finally decided to sign with the Vikings there was something that happened uh, like two weeks prior where he like he had to call this AAA guy because his windshield got broken and the AAA guy said oh, are you really Kirk Cousins? And he said, yeah. And he said, well, where are you going to go? And he goes, well, what do you think? Where should I go? And it was kind of a cute moment. And so when he accepted the offer from the Vikings, he called, like, his sister. He was living in his his, um, wife's parents' basement for some reason. Uh, He's a multimillionaire. I think it's because they had a newborn and he wasn't around a lot. And he nobody answered, and it was awkward. So he called the AAA guy. And it was this really kind of awkward moment where I think he was going for like a callback to the earlier moment, but it just kind of felt sad. Like he didn't have any friends, so he had to call a stranger. Um, it was really, I, to me, it was heartening, but you can see where Cousins is. He reminds me of like what I would expect Johnny Unitas to be. He just feels like an old school kind of nerdy dude who maybe, you know, doesn't um, exude the, the, the type of on-field confidence or personality to, to bond with a lot of these younger guys. Um, and I, I think Russell Wilson has a similar reputation, but but in a worse way, uh, just by you know maybe being a little bit more elitist and, and bossy and so on and so forth. But I agree with you. I think that was, I mean, 
part of this and part of the biggest thing too is is that a lot of people fan from a fan perspective really are heavily invested in a lot of these guys and they support their ventures and they really you know like them and so you know some of the stuff that comes out it, it feels like an affront to fans and i don't think there's I, mean, I just posted an article of the 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 uh somebody took all these data points social media merchandise buying ticket buying and the the passion of the fan base and i think seattle was number one or number two obviously with the 12th man situation there so i think that is kind of a disservice to the fans to to create this controversy where there needed to be one because i think you nailed it i think it's um I think it's completely avoidable. If he really felt that way, he could have handled it differently. And it uh, just seemed like uh, giving some attention because I'm currently the sixth or seventh most talked about quarterback when I had this great season that didn't amount to much. Uh, you know, and, and for all the talk of how bad yeah. their offensive line was, they were like 15th or 16th. They weren't as atrocious as I think people made them up. Um, no. It, yeah, this is, as you said, it's, it's a totally – self-created man-made situation it's totally unnecessary and and beneath him really i mean just for how he has conducted himself to this point and if he wants say in player personnel decisions i mean that just shows you that yeah then they have created a monster in the way they've treated him because you you have to let people do their jobs you know if they if they should if they're incapable of doing their job at the nfl level they shouldn't be doing it at the nfl level i mean if we go in-house now the vikings have just elevated a guy to take over their, their special teams. And, yeah. and he's been there for 15 years. And I only have heard the name Ryan Ficken, you know, like three or four times in those 15 years, there's a guy who came to be an assistant running back coach and has managed to last 15 years in the NFL. How great a life is that? Yeah. You know what I mean? I mean, that's, that's stealing. So we'll find out. Now the cover's been blown. Now he's got to be in charge of, of the special teams. And it wasn't just the, the, the field goal kicker or the long snapper that had issues this year. <clears throat> the Vikings were just bad. And that was one thing when, you know, I was old enough to know and remember that in the Bud Grant era, one of the things that separated the Vikings, certainly from the teams in their division, from most other teams in football, was we won that third phase of the game week in and week out. The Vikings were better, more creative. Um, the use of Greg Coleman as a runner and, and his athleticism, Joe Sensor blocking kicks, Matt Blair blocking kicks. I mean, the Vikings were just good at it. And and now we're one of the worst in the NFL. And that tells you right there, that's a good indicator of the, the, the lack of health of our football team and our franchise. When we're near the bottom of one of those areas where it really comes down to coaching and, and effort, that's a bad indicator. Yeah. Hello, guys. Can you hear me? Hey. Joe's back. We uh, thought you were became the victim of foul play. I was just <laughs> going to say, uh, this might be unprecedented in the history of the show, but I agree with everything you guys just said. Yay. <laughs> Can I, no, maybe, I, I, I have a, ran, a really random question, uh, just to build off and give some context to Joe. What, what me and, uh, McNipp were talking about uh, the Russell Wilson thing and wanting to be elevated to this level of like quality GM with personnel decisions. Is that a thing? Like, I can't think of, you know, maybe I assumed guys like Peyton Manning had some say and stuff like that. I was really surprised 
here uh, during the draft last year that Aaron Rodgers watched it on TV just like we did. He was not abreast of anything that was going on. They didn't call him and say, hey, this is the plan, or what do you think we need to make the offense better? And they obviously it would be awkward to say, well, we're going to take Jordan Love. But it makes me wonder, do any quarterbacks have a say in that sort of thing? I mean, it's rare for a coach to be like Andy Reid or something gets that that sort of uh, attention, but this isn't the NBA, and Russell probably, probably not personnel, but I would think uh, to you know the offense. Obviously, players like you know all players get to say I like this player, that play, and and certainly someone like Rogers, who's a bit of a a coach on the the field uh, when the offense is out there, is, would have some say in that. But I, I don't think they can go in and say you know they can maybe say hey, sure, it would be nice to get a, a receiver this year, yep. but uh, I don't think it has any sway. Certainly, and it certainly wouldn't in. Uh, Zimmer's uh, uh, in in his house, but uh, um, I I just want to say real quickly, I agree with the way Tim characterized the the uh, Russell Wilson thing. It just it for me it was out of the blue. Like, what? What? What's your problem? Okay, you know. So I, I I didn't understand it, and you know I understand nobody wants to get beat up, but you know it was never a problem when he was winning Super Bowls, going back to winning things. He was he's always been running around his entire career up there, but. Anyway, um, and you guys started talking about the kicker mm-hmm. and that whole situation. I, you know, it was interesting. Uh, um, it just occurred to me listening, because I could hear you guys, but you couldn't hear me. But I don't know if, if Joe just put me on mute or what. Yeah, that was by design. It's, it was a power play. And uh, uh, it, it just occurs to me when, 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 when Tim characterized uh, the special teams and, and that, that, that sector of – of the Vikings falling down yet again, it almost is like Zimmer's his, the way he handles things. Cause on offense, he likes to keep, stay out of the mix. He says, I'm the defensive coach. Plus the head coach, you take the offense. Well, it almost seems like that's what's going on here. I mean, he, the only time you hear about Zimmer and the special teams is when the kicker misses a kick and, uh, or else the, somebody else, and he, and he wants to, to make a snap judgment and, and, and get some new personnel in there. That doesn't seem to me to be have anybody that really has a good idea of what's going on in that, in that part of, the, uh, uh, you know, of, of, their, of their place. I, 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 I don't know if that's true or not, but I know he's, he's just uh, riveted in on his, his defense, and sometimes I wonder if he sees everything else in the same way as he sees them. So uh, it's, it's, it's really kind of uh, uh, shocking that they were that this bad this year. And I, and I do think that the signing of this kicker is probably the writing on the wall for, for Bailey. He's, he's had a couple two seasons now where he's clearly let down the head coach, even though the head coach has some belief in him. So I'm thinking, uh, uh, you know, if this, this uh, Tim, you sent us a, a, a thing this morning uh, showing us how, how uh, uh, Joseph has been, you know, at other places he's kicked, and and it's been pretty good. And if he's a younger guy and and looking for his chance, maybe you just got to bite the bullet and stick with somebody. And and, and because you know Bailey's not going to be around forever anyway. He's he's 33 years old, so I think I think that's where you headed. But the the problems go deeper than just the kicker with the special teams, obviously. Yeah, we were spoiled. I mean, we had Cordero Patterson for a while, who's I think tied for the most uh, return touchdowns. Maybe he broke that record this year. Uh, he tied. He, he tied it. Uh, Marcus yep. Sherrills was the, the best punt returner in team history and always top three in the league, always turning nothing into something. You know, Prefer had issues with, uh, you know, his punters and his field goal kickers. He, he was almost like the offensive coordinator thing. He would go through 
maybe one every season and a half. But he always was really good, elite at coverage. Um, and, and then returns obviously were great for a while too. Um, and yeah, it's just, it really, I don't want to get uh, super despondent, even though I kind of alluded to that earlier in the show, but it feels like, man, this team has a lot of things they have to figure out. And probably the worst time to do it, uh, again, with going back to the cap situation. I mean, I think a lot of people made this assumption after the season that we're going to – the Vikings would improve just by the, the lapse of time because guys – core defensive players would heal, so on and so forth. But I'm not entirely convinced that Anthony Barr will be back. Um, you know, then you have to look at uh, – I don't think KJ Osborne works out as is the punt returner, and he was a fifth round pick, so you have to find someone to do that. Um, there's obviously other issues on special teams as well. You got to hope this kicker works out. I mean, how many times Zimmer? I mean, I'm not the biggest fan of his, but he has to be so tired of this kicker situation. It's been kind of the thorn in his side since he's come here. It's just you know, they take Blair Walsh with the fifth round pick, then they take Daniel Carlson with the fifth round pick, then Dan Bailey's the second most accurate kicker in NFL history, yeah. and then he comes here and makes 75 percent of his kicks. It's just too uh, bad Daniel a, a Carlson's lot. NFL career hasn't uh, worked out. <laughs> I know. That, that, that is, was 100% on Zimmer. Well, yeah. I mean, there could be an argument to be made that maybe he uh, cut bait too quickly. I, I don't – I think he was uh, – You think? Uh, uh, you know. <laughs> uh, but at the same time, I, I, I felt like what is – the, the common thread here where these guys who otherwise are good outside of a purple Jersey come here and go from 90, whatever percent second, most in league history or second best in league history to 75%. It's like canary in the coal mine situation. I mean, I've talked Part about this. Part of it's got to be age with Bailey though, isn't it? I mean, he's, he keeps getting older. He's not getting younger. Well, so Joe, you, know. you know, this part of it, um, I got an email from somebody in his inner circle, someone in his family uh, during his first year here. And they took umbrage to an article that was written by one of our writers that were, that talked about Bailey and his struggles And essentially the way it was framed was a kicker is part of a three man unit. You have one point, whatever seconds to make a field goal. Whenever you miss it's the kicker's fault to the media, but when you're switching the holder and the long snapper every two weeks, it's impossible for that kicker to find any semblance of normalcy. And so I basically picked it's up legit. On, yeah, and that so I could tell well well he's upset that we I mean the joke back then was that Linville Joseph would tried out as the holder. Remember that Joe? Like they're going through everybody. Um and so I yeah. think he maybe is so much of a creature of process even more so than the average field goal kicker that any of those changes which there have been a lot we got rid of our the long mm -hmm. snapper this season halfway through the year because he, he was not working out um any of those changes just mess up his process and, and maybe that's not the best guy to have um on a team that clearly uh has a lot of change in that regard that's my take on it anyway well we better see changes in in the other two elements in that if he's sticking around because he hasn't done it and, and in pressure situations he hasn't done it and is it a concession to age so i don't know it's just um he's been very disappointing to me since he got here and and why he's been given all the rope he's been given by zimmer who gave zero to daniel carlson who was just mm -hmm. going on to rewrite the raiders record books year after year after year and, and his leg was so big that's when the gm needed to step in over zimmer's head and say absolutely not you are the head coach this kid just set all sorts of records every you know every level he's been at. He's not going to suddenly start to suck just because he's here. It's your job to coach him up. That yes. is what Mike Zimmer is, is, is paid to do. And instead, he pushed him out the door 
And this kid is going to be a Raider for as long as he wants to be there. And, and he's got a great leg and they have, you know, advantage, you know, advantageous field position because of him. That's a, it's a third of the game. And Mike Zimmer, any, any issues he has with that element of his team, self-inflicted. Yeah, I can't argue with that. I, I remember when it happened and I, uh, you know, he missed those three kicks in a, in, in Lambeau field, which is, which is, he couldn't get any bigger stage for a Viking as a rookie. And you know, there were jitters and the Vikings had their eyes set on going to the playoffs this year and having a really good team. And they were going to need a kicker. Well, then maybe you miscalculated by drafting a rookie and expecting him to be, you know, well, like Blair Walsh was his look rookie year. That doesn't always happen. So, uh, yeah, you have to blame it. I'd like to see Daniel Carlson in more pressure situations than he's had in uh, Las Vegas. But that being said, he has he has had done very well. And uh, it, it every time you see him make a kick, he just kind of, you know, it's 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 to our chagrin that he's he's out there and doing well because he should have been here. In the- yeah, and, and that reminds me of you know the one guy that has been consistent and good and that maybe made the most clutch field goal in my lifetime, which was Kai Forbath, but they didn't like his uh, 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 leg or his extra point percentage wasn't high enough. He made every single field goal from 49 yards or less. He made that uh, really field goal everyone forgot about during the the Saints-Minneapolis Miracle game before uh, the end of the game. He made the field goal that uh, would have, if I remember correctly, because I was, I actually missed, I'm not going to lie, I missed the Minneapolis Miracle because I was in my sister's kitchen pacing angrily because I just, I thought for sure they had blown it. Um, but I think he made the go-ahead Bad. field goal at the end of the game and then the Saints Yes, he did. Or did he tie yep. the game? Either way, he made a very clutch field goal. And then because he you know, was in the high 80s for his extra points, they said, well, let's roll the dice on this big leg guy uh, in Daniel Carlson. When they, you know, especially as the offense was comprised then, there weren't a ton of 50-yard field goals from that offense. If you had a guy that was automatic from 49 yards or less, that, it's, it's just hubris to, to, to take what you have and then and to, risk so much for such a marginal gain, which would be three or four extra uh, extra points during the season, especially considering all these kickers are missing extra points. I think that's a big reason again, yeah. going back to Bailey's problems. He's, he doesn't like the new extra points situation. Tim, what do you, th- what do you see in this guy, Joseph? Do you think he's just a guy that that's really good and hasn't had a chance because he's kicking behind the other kickers or is, uh, is there a reason that he hasn't been a starter for anybody? Yeah, you know this is um, this is dangerous territory because I I I don't know enough about him like you. I just saw the numbers that they put in the paper. I I couldn't identify him in a police lineup. Um, so to, to to say that I know a lot about him, but I, I would just agree that one the numbers that they've already got invested in in our current kicker and his lack of production and as tight as they are on the cap, I, I don't know why you would would keep him. Um, but but then the the uh, quote, you know, by our new coordinator was, oh, I got a lot of faith in him. We have a great relationship. I think he's going to be fine, something like that. And I was like, you're part of the problem. I yeah, mean, people want to have an issue with Clint Kubiak being promoted. I'm just telling you, this bothers me. 15-year-old former assistant running back coach is now running our special teams, mm-hmm. and he wasn't part of a Cracker Jack unit last year. Mm-hmm. So he got a promotion. I, if, 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 if we wanted to see this coaching staff for this organization – reach outside the family and bring somebody in. That was the position to do it with special teams. 
Uh, yeah, I right. agree. And, and, I agree with you on that. It's continuity there is the last thing you you think you would want. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. So what about Clint Kubiak? Uh, you know, uh, sometimes it, you get these promotions from within, and you, you there's two sides of it. You know, like is it is it the least path of resistance, mm-hmm. and it's just a placeholder, or is this guy? Uh, well, yeah, he's going to get the continuity because his his dad is the one who set up the offense. But uh, is he really the person for the job? So it, it's it's uh, I don't know what to think about it yet. I, uh, I it, it you look around the league and, and you see you, you look look at the uh, the uh, Tampa Bay Bucks, you know, coaching staff. How about that for all its diversity and uh, women and 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 uh, minority candidates and such. I mean that 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 to me was a really neat thing to see this year that a team like a staff like that won the Super Bowl, and um, I hate to see good candidates getting passed over because you know it, uh, Jim Sheehan wrote about it the other day about nepotism in the league and it, it you know Zimmer's got his son on the staff and you know I, I don't know I'm not saying it's wrong I don't know we're gonna find out what Clint Kubiak has got but boy it just doesn't really excite me when I Didn't when I, I look at a little, I've I never, ver, vo, I'm glad you brought that up, Joe, because I've never verbalized this, and I wanted to write about it at the time, but I didn't feel like I was the right person to call this out, but it felt like Patterson <laughs> is so much more deserving to being the defensive coordinator for this team, just based on his resume and age and longevity, than Adam Zimmer would be, you know, it just, it did, obviously, screaming nepotism is the definition of it, I mean, they have the same last name, but it just felt like, man, that's got to be – I'm sure he likes the promotion, but it has to be a little humiliating to say, like, well, we can't trust you with the entire offense even though you're incredibly qualified compared to the other guy because the other guy's dad is the coach. Um, on the offense, I, could, I, I don't think it's the same thing just because, you know, Cousins has had a different offensive coordinator each year that he's been here on average. Um, and, and I think as much as, as I've heard a lot of negative things that I prefaced earlier about zone blocking, especially as comprised in Minnesota from guys like Tice or Burke or John Sullivan, uh, too far down that road to, to flip over to something else now because they, they can't even build the line they want. How can they restructure this other line? It makes no sense. And so I, I did feel like, you know, we got with these reports earlier in the week that Zimmer was looking for an older offensive coordinator candidate if he was going to hire outside of the team. I think part of it, again, goes back to a lot of young up-and-coming people didn't want to come here just because I think that DeFilippo think even though he's proven he's maybe not of the caliber to be an offensive coordinator in other gigs around the league since he left, it kind of showed that this team is really stubbornly against any of the new – uh, stuff that the league is doing, and it seems like, you know, t- the teams that are uh, adapting are, are benefiting, and the ones that aren't are kind of falling to the wayside. So I, I think the Kubiak thing is a mixture of uh, just like reluctant uh, continuity. You know, it's just more of the same and expecting a different result, maybe watered down because he's not Gary Kubiak, who's an offensive genius, uh, arguably. Uh, it's it's just kind of a, a grudging thing for me. That's actually a big reason why I'm so. Uh, pessimistic uh, today's show. If I may, I just, um, you know, I think he did the only thing he could, Zimmer did the only thing he could do given the situation because his offense was better than his defense this past year. And and the offense scored enough points to win games that they didn't win. Um, and as you pointed out, uh, Joe Johnson, 
you know, the, we've given Cousins a different offensive coordinator every year. To give him another new system really wouldn't be fair to him or, or really the people who are there if it's going okay. And it's going okay. We've got productive tight ends. We've got productive receivers. We've got an elite running back. Um, we've got a good backup. You know, we, the, the issue is the offensive line. If you look at our guys in uniform or in street clothes versus Cleveland's offensive line, they don't look the same. Mm. They, they have drafted, you know, they've all, by virtue of how many first-round draft picks they've had, they've just got monsters on that offensive line. And they block a certain way. And our guys are not those guys. And I would say, and I'm not a Mike Tyson or Matt Burke, obviously, but I have experience with the zone blocking scheme. And we used it at the high school level because it allowed us to get away with players that were not as physical or as not as athletic and, and they could still do this. There's a lot of deception involved in this. So I think that the, the move to Clint Kubiak was necessary given the situation, but it makes this next year make or break for Mike Zimmer and for me, for, for Chris Spielman. I mean, or, or, or Rick Spielman, uh, because I just think that they've got to put up or shut up seven years, whatever Mike Zimmer has had. And to be back at kind of square one again is very disappointing. And I just don't know that, you know, he's gotten a lot of rope and I just don't know that he's earned it. And I think he's a very good defensive coordinator. I just don't know that he's a very good head coach. I heard an article recently saying, has any head coach in recent memory had as many things given to him as Zimmer has either handed to him or just by circumstance? Brand new stadium, arguably the best new facility or facility period in TCO and Egan that is growing every year and is just state of the art. Um, every single free agent he's wanted, they, they changed the way the NFL did contracts to bring in a quarterback for him to get over the hump. He's had carte blanche. He's had a ton of influence on the draft and taking five, uh, four, there's been five, um, corners taken in the first round, four of which were under his uh, purview. Uh, the fifth being Xavier Rhodes the year before he got here. You know, he, he had all, like you said, this rope to build the, the defense of his dreams at the expense of this offensive line. Uh, and and it just, I, I really felt like after the 49ers game, when they fired George Edwards, which was a clear sign to Zimmer that the status quo wasn't good enough, getting to the playoffs every other year, I think being embarrassed at some point in those playoffs. But then, by happenstance, they end up with the biggest draft hole in the uh, the modern NFL history with 15 picks in the seven-round draft, and it's a very Zimmer draft. I said at the time, this is going to tell us if Zimmer's learned from his mistakes or not. He takes five DBs with 15 picks. He takes one guard. It's the 15th of 15 picks. as the pick before Mr. Irrelevant at the end of the draft. Um, it, it, he takes a guy in Ezra Cleveland who never played tackle his entire life. Gary Kubiak had quotes during camps and he keeps defaulting to this. We need to break him of it. We want to get him ref where he's not comfortable. Why? Why not just draft a guy and put him where he's supposed to be unless he's like a Burke where you think it makes more sense, not via the shifting of guys around and, and acting like, you know, that episode of Simpsons where Marge keeps cutting up her dress to make it look like a new dress to impress people. It's the same people, the same outcome. Um, you know, he's had every single thing a coach could ask for here, including maxing out the cap. And it just, so we were supposed to wait five or six years for him to rebuild the same thing. I don't, he's shown no impetus for learning, for changing, for any of that. And, and I think it's really hampered uh, some really good rosters, which he gets credit for being a part of, but has gotten the most out of those guys. I would argue that he hasn't. Um, I, I, I don't think he's had everything he's wanted. He wanted Aaron Rodgers here, and that didn't happen. Um, no, I'm kidding. Uh, <laughs> I, Have you, you know, seen his I, girlfriend? I, feel... I think he's gotten everything he's wanted. 
Yeah, that's a good point. I, I think that uh, Tim is right. It, uh, it, it's a make-or-break year. I think he has two more years left on his deal. And um, uh, unfortunately for me, the, these these two uh, promotions from within just seem like placeholders, and they seem like status quo, and they seem like they're they're not. They may not be the move you need to make uh, to, to to really extend your deal after that. I I, I think that it really comes down to Daniel Hunter's got to get back. Mike uh, Michael Pierce has got to be what we thought he was, mm-hmm. and to get a defensive line, they plug they they draft a couple defenders or in free agency who can contribute like Justin Jefferson did this next year, and then the you, you got to get a lineman and, and to help out on offense and you know, special teams who got something's got to go on there, but that's what I think is going to happen this year. And he's got to make a deep run. That's the only way they're going to get a deep run in the playoffs. And if it isn't, if it's, you know, uh, uh, limping, you know, with the seventh playoff spot and, and be one and done it, 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 it could be the end for this regime, but I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. I mean, and it's a really rough time. I mean, he's got his work cut out for him. I mean, there might be some value in trading away some pieces on defense, uh, for picks or letting them walk and getting the, the comp, uh, uh, so sort of yeah, Well, oof. I, I, cause I just, I'm so worried about the cap and it might make more sense to have draft picks that you can, I mean, cause Zimmer has done a good job of identifying players through the draft for his defense yep. and developing them. I've always said he's a glorified defensive coordinator. And if you could maybe demote him and give somebody carte blanche to run the offense a different way, which I thought with Kubiak, we kind of split the difference because of but it, it, Kubiak was not running a Kubiak offense. It was much more muted than he had been historically. Except for DiFilippo. Except well, yeah. for DiFilippo identified uh, offensive coordinators, too, because they all go running out of here for the, yeah. you know. It's so. in the, you know, look at the, what Stefanski has done. But, you know, that's the point of the show. We'll spend the offseason getting through uh, all of this great, uh, super uh, optimistic news. I think that's a good place to put a pin in it for this week. I really, really. Uh, enjoy talking to you guys about this clearly um, despite all evidence to the contrary uh, people should definitely keep an eye on VikingsTerritory.com PurplePTSD.com Tim's been writing some really great stuff for us on those sites and also on our Minnesota uh, hockey website uh, that is relatively new MiniIce.com uh, next week we'll hopefully have a couple new websites that we can debut to you guys football related ones that we're really excited about uh, as well so maybe we can diversify what we're talking about on the show because clearly I'm I, I'm not looking forward to this, talking about the Vikings this offseason. I'm kidding. I love it. I love you guys. Thanks for being on the show. Follow Tim on Twitter at, at Tim McNiff number one and uh, Joe Oberly at Joe Oberly and you can find me at, at VTPTSD. But we will check in with you, beautiful Detroit Lakers, next Wednesday. Our cars will break down, and when they do, the repair bill can be devastating. Not anymore. You need Protect My Car. Whether it's a car, truck, or SUV, you can stop paying expensive repair bills. Call Protect My Car at 800-392-8795 now to see if you could qualify. Just tell us the make and model and get an instant quote right over the phone and get coverage today. For cars between 2008 and newer, expensive repairs for the engine, transmission, and much more can become a thing of the past. Call Protect My Car at 800-392-8795 now before your next repair bill hits. For total protection of your car, 
truck or SUV and less repair bills, plus free oil changes, free tire rotations, and free roadside assistance. Just call 800-392-8795 now. Protect your car and your wallet. Call 800-392-8795. Paid for by Protect My Car. Restrictions may apply. Plans and costs for coverage may vary. Our cars will break down, and when they do, the repair bill can be devastating. Not anymore. You need Protect My Car, whether it's a car, truck, or SUV. You can stop paying expensive repair bills. Call Protect My Car at 800-392-8795 now to see if you could qualify. Just tell us the make and model and get an instant quote right over the phone and get coverage today. For cars between 2008 and newer, expensive repairs for the engine, transmission, and much more can become a thing of the past. Call Protect My Car at 800-392-8795 now before your next repair bill hits. For total protection of your car, truck, or SUV and less repair bills plus free oil changes, free tire rotations, and free roadside assistance. Just call 800-392-8795 now. Protect your car and your wallet. Call 800-392-8795. Paid for by Protect My Car. Restrictions may apply. Plans and costs for coverage may vary.